Welcome to Jobs in Tech. Welcome to the show today in the house, Mr. Brad Anderson. What's going on on the show? What's happening in the world of jobs in tech and the craziness out there of the world of technology? And okay, I'm stopping. Sorry. No, no, I, no. I keep going. Little, I mean, you're, I was, you're more than welcome to keep going. God, it's been one of those days, Brad. It I really has, it. right? Uh, I, I'm just excited about life and, and, and right. the beautiful techie stuff going on out there in the world. And right. What's I'll, going I'll on? What, what are we doing in the show today? Well, we actually have guests today. I'm, I'm actually uh, quite excited to to introduce. Um, Liz and and Laura from Civic Actions. I know we've had them on our show before, but we, we you know we thought we'd bring them back and, and do more of a deeper dive too. It's been it a while. Yeah, it's been it? a while. Yeah, it, has it been a year? I wanna I wanna pretty say close. Like I think. Yeah, yeah, I think we're right there. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm gonna give the floor over to them. Let them introduce themselves and, and talk a little bit about their background, who they are, uh, what they do at Civic Actions, and and uh, I'm gonna put them on the spot real quick and, and ask them what's their favorite thing about Civic Actions that they like. Ah, oh, nice. We didn't have that in the list. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, we can throw that curveball in there. Just, just a little bit, right? Um, I can go first. I actually love the intro. It kind of felt like I was at a monster truck show <laughs> on a podcast, so I really love that vibe love to get it. us started, so uh, thank you for that. You're, you're very welcome, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Up next. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so I'm Liz Tepper. I'm the director of product. Uh, at Civic Actions. I've been working in tech for 23 plus years. Started my career as a software engineer and eventually meandered my way over to product after a lot of different roles. But I've been working in um, what I call impact tech for over seven years. And what brought me to Civic Actions was government work. It's the place where you can make the biggest impact and touch so many different lives of people of all different backgrounds and abilities and there's a lot of opportunity to make improvements and so this is my this is my place um and you know one of the things that i really appreciate about civic actions because one of our sort of like core values is kindness and care um mm -hmm. is it's a really safe place to be at work where you can not only like be yourself but it's psychologically safe um, and many of us carry work traumas with us when we go from one business to another <laughs> yeah. um, and I really appreciate that 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 doesn't exist here and I can just really do the work that I need to do without having to worry about that that's awesome uh, that's that really awesome good. that's super good what about you Laura so hi I'm Laura Lanford I'm uh, a director of engineering here at Civic Actions, and my background looks a lot like Liz's. Um, I started out as a software engineer about 24 years ago and, um, and have been in impact tech, specifically government tech, for about the last decade. Um, I'm here for the same reason, because I think that working for government is one of the most impactful ways that you can affect an awful lot of people with relatively small changes at the foundations of what's happening. The thing I love best about civic actions beyond being where my heart is from a passion standpoint, uh, career wise, and beyond working with Liz, um, I can tell with an anecdote, when I came on career baggage and all, and I asked my manager, where do you need me? What is the highest priority that you need me to work on? And his response was, well, what do you want to work on? And he really meant it. And just that dedication to letting people work where their passions and interests take them 
is uh, really special and unusual. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you don't see that as much anymore. I mean, to to your point, I really think that nowadays companies are more. This is where I need you to put out this fire, and it's it's less about hey, where where do you want to work on? Where's your passion? Let let let's get the best out of you. But don't you think too? I mean, because of all the people we've had on the show now over time, do you think a lot of companies are getting a little more culture under? understanding the culture that they're creating and wanting people to have that kind of feeling in their company. I mean, if you're not doing that now, it seems like I don't want to be a part of a company that that, that isn't being human. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'll go first. I think that companies are realizing that and getting better, but I still think there are shops out there that don't care, that are just work, 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 work. I don't care. Get it done, whatever it takes type of mentality. Hmm. I think there's a lot of companies that would really like to, but if it's not built into your culture as you grew, it can be really difficult to fix that in retrospect. Well said, Laura. That is that is the thing right there. Once you start a machine, trying to change that machine is really, really hard. But if your core is what it is, and you're that to begin with, and I get that that's civic action. That was their core. Their whole belief system is to connect and really be able to to move forward in the people verse, not just the work and the right. and, the, and the, the the stuff. Am I am I am I on to something here? Is this is this true, you guys? It's the it's built yeah, into the culture. Yeah, it's a it's a really sort of phenomenal culture in a lot of ways. So first of all, we've been uh, fully remote since. 2004 so before video conferencing exists so let that blow your mind first (laughs) and so in terms of like um you know a company who's really got it figured out on how to do remote work and make sure that like people are connected like laura and i've only been in person together once at a leadership retreat and i feel like i know laura really well and can connect with her like i'm hoping you can get that from our vibe here on this call but honestly yeah i see it yeah. Yeah, and so like the way civic actions does remote culture is the best that I've seen and you know we have lots of opportunities to connect with people where we do like these social pods where people can just connect socially with other people and not talk about work and then our style of communication remotely is very um it's very sort of forward in terms of like people feel in the loop and they feel like they have an opportunity to com- to communicate um, so that's that's one element. I'll let Laura riff a little bit on that too, if she wants to. In addition, I'm glad that you brought up the social pods because that's a huge place to just get to know people who are outside of your practice area. But I'd also like to say that I love that we have dedicated practice areas. We are a contracting firm, which means that most people spend most of their time on with a specific client on a specific uh, contract. But we're also very into promoting the discipline-based practice areas that we have. Hmm. So Liz has the product the product practice area. Um, we have DevOps, we have front-end, we have QA, we have data, we have Drupal, all as their own places that anybody can go to to learn more about what's happening with that technology independent of what they're working on day to day. Awesome. I, I love that whole thing because it, right now it, it's kind of the bandwagon to say, oh, all this remote stuff sucks. We don't have connectivity. None of us are able to really connect as human beings. And, and I like to hear 
Yeah, you know, that is not always the case. You can have human connectivity and still be remote. And I found more and more, I, I kind of fought it too, but as I do more things and more calls, I do realize, you know, that person's personality comes through just as if they were sitting here in the table with me. It's not, there's not really, just because they're not physically here, their personality is still there and I can still get to know them right. and understand who they are. I, I think it's just a bandwagon that we jump on. Everybody jumps on and say, oh my gosh, remote sucks. It's horrible. There's no connectivity between human beings. And I love to hear that is not the case, that you guys are feeling, hey, we have a great community, a great culture, and we're all remote. Absolutely. This, I mean, it, go ahead. Please. <laughs> this really does go back to the culture, something that Liz said a minute ago about people feeling comfortable talking in meetings and coming forward with it. Um, I've ne I've been remote for a long time and I've never been at a company where you can expect everybody in a given meeting to say something and be engaged the entire time. It's just the way that Civic Actions has grown up communicating with each other and it, it's really effective. And That's I think awesome. it's the future. Oh, absolutely. I think other companies are going to have to, they're going to have to understand, hey, this works. This works and, and so much more can get done. And Agreed. so much easier to let folks, it, it, it never works to hammer down on your employees and crush them down no. and, and force them into this little bitty box and say, you just do your work, you just do your work. That we, We've seen time and time again, that doesn't work in the long run. In this day and age, people aren't, they're, they're not willing to do that anymore. Well, not only are they not willing to do that, they actually have options. They can leave at that point. So it's more advantageous for a company to say, hey, you know, we need to change. We need to adapt. We need to adopt these principles. With that said, I like to ask, and I want to ask this question. So how would you guys say, and I think you're already saying it a little bit, how are you guys a disruptor in your industry? What are you guys doing to kind of disrupt? <laughs> I Because I, I, I know you got a story around it. I want to know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Larry, do you want to take, take this, this or do you want me to? <laughs> How about I start and then you talk because I think that, you're, that your team is such a pivotal part of what we're going to talk about here. I don't think that government needs to be disruptive, particularly not from a technology standpoint. What we're doing that is innovative and different as a government contractor is in talking to the people who know what they're doing on the stakeholder side to figure out what the problem is that actually needs to be solved. And especially from the tech industry, because I come from private industry originally, there is this idea that you have your shiny new toys and you throw them at whatever problem is there and figure out what to do with it. And one of the things I love about working here is that Liz's team, the product team, spends a lot of time figuring out what is actually needed to be impactful and useful to the people on the, on the other end of it. Mm. And That's then we awesome. pick the technology based on the problem that needs to be solved. But Liz, I think you can speak more to that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you know, on that note, um, and we'll just be clear, like there is definitely certain uh, government technology that is behind and could could you like we're still using cobalt in some cases, right? Not here at wow. Civic Actions, but in federal yeah. government work, right? right. Um, and so, like, there are oh, really... a solid language. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I sorry, will defend it. What right. be a trigger? Um, but like, there there are these situations where we're stepping in, where um, you know, government's just been behind in a lot of industries, um, and so it's not 
it's not disruptive in the case of like we're coming out guns ablaze and saying AI, 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 everything. But it can seem radical to talk about digital transformation or to talk about um, what are your problems before you come to us with a laundry list of solutions. And so like my team's responsible for really leaning into that consulting arm of our business to be like, okay, what is it we're building and why? Like, obviously there are some things that we have to do from like a, a legislation mandate and, and that comes in from time to time. But outside of that, there should be some squish around who are we building this for both like, you know, people coming to the websites that we're developing, but also people who are maintaining those websites. You know, what are the impacts that we're hoping to make? And some of those impacts can be really simple. They don't have to be innovative tech. They can be um, simple changes to workflow process that we find in some cases make a huge impact um, to those to those end users, people coming to visit the website and their day-to-day lives and the transactions that they're trying to accomplish. So we're not a disruptor in sort of like fancy tech startup speak, but our work can be disruptive and disruptive because of the the impact that it can have on people you know you said yeah you you hit it right on the head and that's what i was gonna say it it doesn't sound like you guys are disruptors you guys just don't know it but it's just by doing the thought process of what it takes to make sure that the process is laid out to be the to be functional and that and to me that is being a disruptor because so many times in technology or or even in life you get you get bombarded with other things and, and priorities change, but it sounds like you guys are true to your roots and you're true to who you are and you understand, okay, these are the things that we do and we know we have to do to be successful. I really love the way that you phrase that because I think that you've hit on something that's very important. A lot of the inefficiencies that happen in government and a lot of the improvements that can be made aren't on the technology side. It's what what Liz is talking about here is learning about the context and listening to the domain knowledge of the people who have done this before and tried this before to be able to find the right solution of which the technological tools are part of it, but yeah, not the reason for it. It's not it. the end-all be-all. It's The problem Thank is you. not going to get solved from technology. It's just it's how the process is laid out to make it more efficient for everybody who's using it. I, think I would it- love to... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, I would love to circle back, you know, earlier how we were talking about how, um, you know, if a, if a company hasn't really embraced open culture, right, people-centered culture, it can be it can be a hardship to turn around. Um, we face those challenges doing government work as well, to just be mm-hmm. frank and clear. Like, the reality is most government technology became technology because we took a paper or an in-person <laughs> process and just said, recreate this and rebuild this in, in web form. form. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, because of that and because of the reality where we are today, there is like, there is a lot of like stripping back and being intentional and understanding like this full service model of what we're trying to do and seeing what makes sense from a technology standpoint. So we are also turning that ship just like a company is trying to turn its ship to be more people-centered. We're doing the same thing with our technology to be more people-centered That's awesome. as well. So, I mean, that kind of covers like the, the innovation part of it as well. So um, help, me, help me understand 
let's unpack a little bit more about your guys' teams. Like, what does the team dynamic look like? How big are the teams? Um, what what goes into the con- the construction of making up a team? Yeah, I can. Do you want me to answer that one more, or do you want to yeah, go ahead? Okay, oh, you can. So obviously, that'll vary based on the the contracts that we get okay. put on. Um, but in general, um, usually, what you can find on a team um, as sort of a bare foundation is there's usually a product manager sort of overseeing like the ownership of the of the products we're building and maintaining. Um, you will have, you know, a, a, an engineering lead or a, what we call a tech lead, um, you know, front end and back end developers, DevOps engineer. Um, there'll be a, you know, a design lead. So, you know, if we're, if we're contributing to the, the design, both um, the, the user experience as well as the visual design, we'll have people to do that. Uh, we'll have QA staff members. Um, and in many cases, we usually put a web accessibility engineer on our projects and in in the case we don't have the budget for that the majority of our staff actually have web accessibility certifications and it's a big um, core tenant of our work at civic actions to which is you probably heard from when you interviewed with mike gifford previously Um, and then beyond that we have a bunch of other roles that get added whether it's data analytics or um, content um, design uh, we have project management and program management support um, on our projects, um, and those like our our largest team um, ha- has a bunch of different projects on it. That's about fifty five people in total, and um, and we have we have other teams that are sort of smaller in size. Okay, that's awesome. Hey, Liz. In the same way that you brought up accessibility, which relates back to the idea that we focus so much on the experience that the end user is going to get, I would love if you'd be willing to talk a little bit more about the service design and HCD, like focus that we have coming into this. Yeah. I'm the engineering side, but I love watching what product (laughs) does here. Awesome. So, so like our product team leans this, but obviously our expertise in-house is really with our design team in this um, area. But, you know, with the push of impact technology, um, human-centered design is such a huge piece of that. And, and humans, the fundamentals of human-centered design are, you know, sort of working alongside the people that you're building um, things for so that um, you know, you're co-creating along the way, whether it's like we're interviewing people or doing surveys or looking at data to make decisions based on, you know, how to solve these problems that we're trying to solve. Um, from, a, you know, from a, a product standpoint, we like want to look at that from the beginning and that's included in this whole decision making around what are we building and why so we help support that and a lot of people on my team sort of lean with this design background it's not all product people we also have people who have technical expertise I have both software development and design in my background personally um, the the cool thing about product people is you usually have to have at least two other practice areas in your career in order to grow up into a product role so we're already coming at it from multiple practice areas and then of course um, you know whenever it comes to um, human-centered design and the impact we're doing we also heavily include engineering in that as well so we don't want to just 
look at things from a design lens because the engineering perspective and Laura you can speak to this better than me they can tell us like oh actually that solution that you have that like we there's an easier technical way that we can do that than what you're thinking about so having those practice areas talk together as we're building solutions is really crucial and important Thank you for the clarification that it is the design team that is a huge part of the HCD part. Um, from the engineering side, I love that we get involved so early on in the process so that when decisions are being made about what the end goal is, that we can speak to the implementation details about what's going to work and what's going to be most effective, um, cost, cost aware, right. and timely. Awesome. So. I would like to know if I'm a, let's say I'm a candidate, I'm out looking for a job. What, what are you guys looking for? What, what is, what is your big, uh, maybe talk us through the kind yeah. of the hiring process or how well, that works. I like yeah. that. I know that you usually ask that question, but I'm, no, I'm no, kind of curious. Uh, <laughs> so what's that? What's that? Look? Who are you looking for? What, do yeah. you, what, what, what stands out to you guys? I can start with the first part since I've spent the better part of this week reviewing resumes for one of our open roles. <laughs> there you go. Um, we we ask a couple of application questions, um, including tell us about yourself and what is it about civic actions that makes you interested in working here. And I put a lot of weight on the thoughtfulness of people's answers on those. Um, That's good to hear. I mean, that, that I, that's something oh. listeners need to, to hear from you. Absolutely. So that's perfect. There's, there's so much information about there, conflicting information about how to do the right resume, how to get somebody's attention, how to put keywords in. And what we're looking for is authenticity and a genuine Damn. interest in the work that we're doing. We've said that a thousand times. We have. Said it, and I, it just it dumbfounds me how many people just spit out resumes without ever even looking. I mean, it, it, why spit out your resume to a hundred different jobs if you're not going to really look at the job and see if you even want it? That is, it, it, those you're. I, I would never respond to any of those, and and I'm sure you guys wouldn't either if they didn't take the time to actually understand your company enough to be able to say something in their resume or their their deal. So I'm glad you said that, and we've said it often, but guys. Hundreds you of have times. to be real. You have to to really have done a, at least a little bit of homework in that company. Sorry, I interrupted a little bit. Keep going. <laughs> but it was just, I, I, I think it's so important. Exactly. Yeah, Please do. I'd love to add to that. And I'm also uh, have an open position right now that I'm working to fill. And by the way, we have eight open positions right now on our oh, website. Awesome. Okay. Um, so please go to civicactions.com slash careers and apply and there will be uh, a link also, in the show notes as well so anybody yeah. that's listening go ahead and apply there as well we also have a future opportunities posting that's always out there so if there's not something on the list but you're still interested in civic actions our talent team does meet with people who send through that future opportunities as well cool oh um, absolutely just wanted to say the future opportunities is something so many companies have but we are really so hungry for the kind of people that want to do this work and who it's close to their heart that, yeah, we take it very seriously. Yeah. Um, anecdotally, and I was talking about this with my team earlier today when we were doing some resume reviews and like the last time I hired up with my team was in the fall. So it's been, it's been a while, it's been a while. and the world has changed a little bit since that with both like uh, the advancements in AI, but also like the layoffs in the tech sector. Right. And we 
have a couple of hypotheses right now. One, I think a lot of people are writing their resumes with AI because they're Probably. just not as exciting. They're not as exciting. So I would say, you know, if you are doing that with AI, please add some excitement to your resume <laughs> right. yeah. and some interest because they're all looking the same. Um, and then, uh, you know, another theory is, is that maybe because people are being laid off or they're burnt out, that people are kind of tired and that might be coming through in their resume writing as well. Ooh. Can I, I give think, a positive yeah. spin on that? Um, I've also found that I think there are a lot of people, particularly coming from high tech, who have had a chance over COVID and the layoffs to think about work that's more meaningful. And so we have people who want to come into the impact civic tech sector because they're looking for something a little more gratifying about how they spend their days. Awesome. That's cool. I love I'm going to throw my two cents in on there as well. I mean, I think this is just my my theory. I think that what's what's also happening is candidates are kind of loosely applying. I think it's, well, I know the market's a little shaky right now, so I'm just going to throw this out here. And, and if it works, great. But if not, no big deal. So I think maybe I could be wrong. Maybe that's maybe what you're seeing in some of your resumes where they're just, they haven't updated them. They're just kind of stale and stagnant. But yeah, sure. so it's another that, hot hypothesis to add to the list. Right, yes. exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that that brings me to um, another question. So let's say you guys do get your resumes, uh, you go through them, you you choose your top candidates. What does that interview process like? How many how many interviews are you guys going to do with them? Is there a team interview? Help me understand that process. Fourteen interviews. I think it's fourteen. Isn't I think it? that's the going 14? rate, right? No. No, I, no, no, it was sixteen. <laughs> <It> sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> It's similar, but a little different. So Liz, do you want to talk about oh, the product? Sure. I'll start. Yeah. So it, it, it varies based on the, the role and the practice area that we're hiring for. Mm. So like for product, for example, we do a resume review. We review all the resumes. Um, and then those who advance will go get a phone screen with at least one member from Civic Actions. And then um, we do a... Uh, our, our work style interview is we ask people to um, walk us through a product roadmap or a case study that they were involved in. And so that's our more technical interview on the product side. Um, and then people who make it through that go to a final round interview. So during um, those processes, like what do you look for in a candidate? Like what, 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 what gets what them makes to go them to stand the next? Out? Yeah. yeah. What makes them ne go to the next yeah. level? So from like a review standpoint, um, like one, there like there are certain requirements for our federal contracts that we need to meet in terms of like residency in the U.S. and uh, years in a product role um, as a minimum. And then beyond that, you know, we look at like from your intake, was there a passion in CA like of like the you know what you're expected to do in the product role? Ha do, have you talked about that? you know, um, in your experience in the resume. So that gets you to a screen and a, like a lot of people make it to the screen. We're generous. We lean generous with the screen <laughs> versus, um, not, um, and then in the screen itself, you know, we ask more detailed questions around like understanding the types of stakeholders they work with. Obviously, like if you've worked in federal government work, it's a plus, but there's a lot of under other industries that have dealt with, um, processes that are complex or, um, you know, you've worked with like a lot safe. of different stakeholders. Yeah. And <laughs> so, um, as well as like, you know, other things that can be great are like, 
passion for accessibility, passion for human centered design, you know, uh, understanding what other practice areas this person might have grown up into in their role. Um, there's a there's there's more to discuss like that could be a whole podcast of its own but we're hitting the high points of like the um, expectations of the role and seeing if you've done some of that awesome cool engineering is a little bit different um we do a lot more weeding out before the screening process just because of the sheer volume of applications which is why the application questions um, have become such a point of looking at how people answer. Um, after the initial screen, where we do look for the same things that uh, that product does, we go into the directly into the work style interview, which is a combination of the standard situational, tell us about a time that what happened, mm -hmm. and where do you want to work? What makes you happy in a job? Because the fit goes both ways. Absolutely, um, yeah. After that, there is a take home. And we've gotten excellent feedback from our take home is that it is straightforward and it's real work that you would be doing in real life, um, which was the objective to make it something that would be indicative of what people would be doing day to day. For people who pass the take home, we go to final interview. Okay. How long, how long is that take home? I mean, generally speaking, like, is it, is it an hour project? Help me understand how long it'll take someone. For the take home? Yep. Uh, the expectation is one to two hours. Okay. Yeah. So something very, very straightforward, but something they would be doing on a day-to-day -day basis to just yeah, to... there's okay. no gotchas. <laughs> That's a good thing. We don't yeah. want to be that kind of company. Right. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't sound like you guys are, but again, I mean, the more information we can provide, I think the better off we are. So, yeah. yeah. It's good stuff. Ooh, with that... So we always like to ask, or at least I always no, like we to do. ask. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we both do. What what do you think the future of your technology is? What what's going on? What where do you guys see your guy you, you going? You know, five ten years. I mean, craziness. Let's let's think. I, I love prediction and and prophecies. So where you <laughs> where do you guys can see I, yourself? Can I, can I take this first list? Because you know I'm a true believer here. Um, I come from a data engineering background, okay. and I worked for the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services on the data side for a while. And as everyone's talking about data analysis and data science and AI or machine learning, one of the core tenets of what needs to change is the quality of the data that's getting fed into these systems because garbage in, garbage out. Agreed. So one of the areas that I'm hoping that we'll be moving into and, and I'm a strong advocate for here is working with government data to make it as high quality and usable and meaningful as possible so that the insights that come out on the other end of the pipeline are the most relevant to making life better for people who depend on these services. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very impactful. I mean, I think you you hit right on. I mean, I love the, I love the phrase, you know, garbage in, garbage out. And, and so many times companies use data as, as probably a selling point to just say, Hey, well, this is how we can keep our contract. And it's not about that. It's, it's really about, is the data good? Is it, is it something very usable or is it not? 
Yeah, Thanks I think, for let me well, take that, Liz. What's yeah, yours? no, Laura and I were talking about this a little bit yesterday, and I think, you know, we have a different view on the future of technology since we've been working in technology roles for over two decades, right? Like, we've seen a lot of things pan out or a lot of things get weird, and right. it, it can be really hard to predict, um, you know, where technology is going. If I were to speak more aspirationally where I hope the future of technology is going, you know, as a as a person who thinks we can utilize technology as a force for good, I feel like um, as technologists, there's a lot of responsibility in our roles because we can literally shape and make society. And the world got to see that more closely during COVID than any other time before. But like, we're literally creating the tools that can shift kids to doing school from home. Um, and I don't think that responsibility should be taken lightly, whether it's, you know, you're building, um, you know, uh, a, like a SaaS product or you're working for a Silicon Valley startup or you're working on federal government work. I think we all need to be really intentional about the work that we put in the world because it has a great impact on humanity. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think and this is just my own personal belief, but. If more thought was was taken into into that process of how it's going to affect humanity, I think we would have way better products. And I think personally, we would be further along in technology if we did that. One hundred percent. Yeah. So and there's like if you like we work in a like a capitalistic society, right? Like I make money, right. I I choose a job that pays me well, but there is there's money in impact tech. I've worked for multiple impact tech. There's money there. So if people are thinking like that's not a thing or you can't get paid well, like that's a, that's a myth. Ooh, that's and I also good. put in that's good information. That Absolutely. In addition to the direct compensation part of it, which is, which is market. Um, we also, because we're such a person focused company to begin with have fantastic benefits. Um, so mm. that's, Something else to consider when looking at when looking to go into a mission-driven company who cares about people as part of their core value. I'm glad you guys said that because I think that is a misconception out there. It is, and there are people thinking, "Oh, well, I don't, I don't you know, I'm not going to be able to get paid enough." But that is awesome and eye-opening that you both have have explained that. Hey, that is not the case. Not only do we get paid market, we also get great benefits and you're a part of something you believe in and you care about. That's freaking awesome. Exactly. <laughs> it's like a win-win-win across the board. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, and I think it's something like like we've, we've said in the past and now, people are looking for things to believe in more and, and care about than just having a job. It's just, it's no longer enough to just have a job. We've got to to care about what what the company's doing. At Absolutely, least it feels that way. Well, and yeah. and I mean, I think that I mean, being able to have that culture and that care, obviously, debunks the whole the whole role of you know software engineers and, and developers only staying three to five years at a company. I think when they have that buy in and they have that understanding, they want to be there longer. They want to they want to contribute and they want that next project that's going to continue to create that change. And that's what an employer really wants. Absolutely. Want a dedicated 100%. person that cares about what they're doing. Yep. I love it. Well, with that, we like to ask our last question. So what do you guys think about the future of technology in general? <laughs> this is our, we love to just end on a fun question. And there are no strings attached to this one. <laughs> let's, let's preface this first. 
whatever crazy ideas you think where technology is going to go or the future of tech, there is no limit. So where, like, let's get your just personal opinions. Where do you think it's going to be? Can I have two opinions? Absolutely. No, no, you can't have two. That's. <laughs> and let me select. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just kidding. You can totally have two. <laughs> the first one is I think that AI as it exists now is eye-rollingly overblown. The second is that I hope that we're going to start seeing the world become a matter of people who are creators and then utilize technology as tooling. Yes. rather than people that are, say, just coders. Exactly. They're actual developers. Yep. Yes. But the creative aspect stays there and is highlighted. Well, okay. and, and my this, personal oh. opinion on that one, on that second piece, I really think that AI is going to take over more of the, the, the coding aspect of it, and it's going to be less developers in the market, but more architects and, and engineers. engineers who understand the higher level of how do I want this to, to, the do, creators. to do the things I want it the to do. The AI still exactly. needs creators. No exactly. matter what the AI does, it still needs creators. Solving the problem. Creators. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What about you, Liz? Yeah. Your AI output is only as good as the input, like we talked about before. 100%. Like, yep. Garbage yep. in with your AI, garbage out. Exactly. AI, I get really right? good AI stuff because I put in good stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think for for me, I, you know, I also, I, uh, I definitely think, and this is gonna sound gross as it comes out of my mouth, like I definitely think we're in an AI re renaissance. like. AI feels like what's happening with AI right now feels a lot like what happened when mobile started booming. Like it, mm. I'm just feeling that same yeah. sort of energy, but just like when mobile started, mobile started and it got this huge momentum and then it got rocky for a while. Like, I mean, the way that we use our mobile phones today is very different than the way we use them when mobile first came out. Like I used to do a talk on, uh, overcoming Apple App Store rejection. Like I had a talk and I did a circuit on that and that's not wow. really a thing anymore. Right. Or like, you know, we, we mobile phones changed like scrolling on web pages. Like it changed they how did, we, yeah. um, and so like, it'll, I think in the next two years, we'll see some settling with AI and maybe, you know, some, some things will shake out and, you know, some companies who are throwing money into things will just fizzle up and go away. Um, but we're definitely, like, we've definitely hit a new era in AI and I don't think it's going away, but it'll be interesting to see what actually shakes out and what sticks uh, with the amount of attention and work going into it right now. With you yes. saying that, it, it, it put me into uh, it took me back to the 90s, and, and I think this, well, somewhat relevant. Anyway, it's interesting to me. Uh, in the early 90s, I was a pizza delivery guy, right? And, dude, finding people's houses was freaking incredibly hard. Oh, my gosh. I had these maps, maps. all over, and the maps were, and you're dry. Oh, dude. It was, it was oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. It was, it was horrifying to try and find houses. I, I, it was just nuts, and it sucked the whole time. And uh, but then, but then I remember the first rental car I got that have a nat that had a nav system on it, and I was like, "Oh my hell, this is amazing!" Right, <laughs> mind blowing. But, but then I was in Newark, and it couldn't get me to a hotel that I could see. <laughs> but it couldn't get me there, so it had time. You know, it it needed growth. It needed to get fixed. And and now we go anywhere with our phone, anything, anywhere. I'm like, dude, 
how did I get to any place on without the planet it. without my phone? <laughs> and I think I think I you're think right. AI is going to be there eventually. We're going to do. How did we do anything without AI? Yep. I would love to circle back from your last question to something that I know we talked about earlier in the interview. When we were talking about using technology as a way to solve problems, I think that's what's happened with mobile and will happen with AI is that the people solving the problems are still going to be the important architecture part of what needs to happen. We're just getting better tools for it. Exactly. Absolutely. And hopefully, in the meantime, hopefully nobody exploits it or takes advantage of it. And I think that will be the differentiator. Or well, it takes yeah. over itself and kills us all. Don't forget yeah. that one. <laughs> I don't think that will happen. Yeah, no. right. I, I had to throw it out there. We, I had to at least put it out there. We got the conspiracy theorist over here. Don't mind him. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I'm not there yet. Not, not quite. No. <laughs> oh, this is, this has been great. Thank you guys so much for for being on the show. It, it's it's awesome. It is. to hear what's going on out there in the world and and what companies are doing to shape the world and do what you do. Thank you so much for for honoring us of being on the show. We really, really appreciate it. Any, any last words from you guys uh, that you would like to give and, and maybe where people can get a hold of you or find out more about, about you guys? Working in Civic Tech has been the most gratifying part of my career, and I've been doing this for more than 20 years. Awesome. I love it. Yep, I would agree. I'm here because I love this work, and it fuels me. Um, you can, uh, uh, you know, civicactions.com is our website. We're also on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, and if you are still on Twitter, it's on Twitter as well. <laughs> um, uh, like, I am happy uh, to connect with anyone on LinkedIn. Um, just look up Liz Tupper, um, Civic Actions, and you'll, you will find me. Um, yeah, and this has just been a pleasure, like... Laura and I don't always get to sit and chat like this, to just one on like one on one with with two other people. But um, it's been so great, and I just like once again, thanks for coming to the Monster Truck Podcast Show. This has been great, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Thank uh, you, you know, so much for having us today. Absolutely, you it's bet. our pleasure. I love it when we have people on the show that that you can tell immediately have a real. Uh, passion. passion and energy and love for what they're doing that that gets me excited uh, you hear the world and you hear things and you just don't realize there's still really good people out there doing really really good things and that are really passionate so i i honor you two for coming on the show agreed and 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 showing us you know your passion and how much you love what you're doing it's so good i just thank you so much yes Absolutely. Anytime you need some irrepressible optimism. <laughs> I love it. That is so Absolutely. good. Any last words? I'm Brad? good. No, I mean, you covered it all. All right. Thank you for coming to the uh, Truck Valley. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening to Jobs in Tech. We 